I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to another day in the Lord's neighborhood and to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. Here's my coffee, and I'm Page, your caffeine-imbued host. He knows I love coffee. It's one of the ways God says he loves me. Today, we're going to be looking at Leviticus chapter 13, and this is kind of a big deal for me. Um, I actually... um, I spent a long time thinking about this. I knew this chapter was coming up, and uh, I'm hoping I can do it justice today. We're gonna, I'm going to read the whole chapter, but we're just going to focus on the first part of the chapter that deals with leprosy. Um, there's some important stuff there. So uh, let's just get started. Leviticus chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot in their skin, that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin. If the hair on the sore is turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. If the shiny spot on the skin is white but does not appear to be more than skin deep, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them, and if he sees that the sore is unchanged and is not spread in the skin, he is to isolate them for another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them again, and if the sore has faded and is not spread in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them clean. It's only a rash. They must wash their clothes, and they will be clean. But... If the rash does spread in their skin after they have shown themselves to the priest to be pronounced clean, they must appear before the priest again. The priest is to examine that person, and if the rash is spread in the skin, he shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. Once anyone has a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to the priest. The priest is to examine them. And if there's a white swelling in the skin that's turned the hair white, and if there's raw flesh in the swelling, it's a chronic skin disease, and the priest shall pronounce them unclean. He is not to isolate them, because they're already unclean. If the disease breaks out all over their skin, and so far as the priest can see, it covers all the skin of the affected person from head to foot, the priest is to examine them, and if the disease has covered their whole body, he shall pronounce them clean. Gotta be honest with you, I don't understand that. Since it has all turned white, they are clean. But whenever raw flesh appears on them, they will be unclean. When the priest sees the raw flesh, he shall pronounce them unclean. The raw flesh is unclean. They have a defiling disease. If the raw flesh changes and turns white, they must go to the priest. 
the priest is to examine them. And if the sores have turned white, the priest shall pronounce the affected person clean. Then they will be clean. When someone has a boil on their skin and it heals, and in the place where the boil was, a white swelling or reddish-white spot appears, they must present themselves to the priest. The priest is to examine it, and if it appears to be more than skin deep, and the hair in it has turned white, the priest shall pronounce that person unclean. It is a defiling skin disease that has broken out where the boil was, but if, when the priest examines it, there is no white hair in it, and it is not more than skin deep, and has faded, then the priest is to isolate them for seven days. If it's spreading in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling disease. But if the spot is unchanged and has not spread, it is only a scar from the boil, and the priest shall pronounce them clean. Now, when someone has a burn on their skin, and a reddish-white or white spot appears in the raw flesh of the burn, as the priest is to examine the spot, and if the hair in it has turned white and it appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling disease that is broken out in the burn. The priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. But if the priest examines it and there's no white hair in the spot, and if it's not more than skin deep and has faded, then the priest is to isolate them for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine that person. And if it's spreading in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. If, however, the spot is unchanged and has not spread in the skin but has faded, it is a swelling from the burn, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scar from the burn. Oh, my eyes burning. I don't know why. Mm. If a man or woman has a sore on their head or chin, so the priest is examined the sore, and if it appears to be more than skin deep and the hair in it is yellow and thin, the priest shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease on the head or chin. But if, when the priest examines a sore, it does not seem to be more than skin deep, and there is no black hair in it, then the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine the sore. And if it is not spread, and there is no yellow hair in it, and it does not appear to be more than skin deep, then the man or woman must shave themselves except for the affected area. And the priest is to keep them isolated another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine the sore. And if it is not spread in the skin and appears to be no more than skin deep, the priest shall pronounce them clean. They must wash their clothes and they will be clean. But if the sore does not spread in the skin after they are pronounced clean, the priest is to examine them. And if he finds that the sore is spread in the skin, he does not need to look for yellow hair. They're unclean. If, however, the sore is unchanged, so far as the priest can see, and if black hair is grown in it, the affected person is healed. They are clean. And the priest shall pronounce them clean. When a man or woman has white spots in the skin, the priest is to examine them. And if the spots are dull white, it is a harmless rash that's broken out in the skin. They're clean. A man who has lost his hair and is bald is clean. If he has lost his hair from the front of the scalp and has a bald forehead, he is clean. But if he has a reddish-white sore on his bald head or forehead, it is a defiling disease breaking out on his head or forehead. The priest is to examine him, and if the swollen sore in his head or forehead is reddish-white like a defiling skin disease, the man is diseased and is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him unclean because of the sore on his head. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkempt cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. 
They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. All right. I'm going to skip my notes here and just finish reading this chapter. I'm going to come back to that in a minute, though. Now, here's how they're dealing with uh, molds. As for any fabric that is spoiled with a defiling mold, any woolen or linen clothing, any woven or knitted material of linen or wool, any leather or anything made of leather, if the affected area in the fabric, the leather, the woven or knitted material, or any other leather material is greenish or reddish, it is a defiling mold and must be shown to the priest. The priest is to examine the affected area and isolate the article for seven days. On the seventh day, he is to examine it. And if the mold has spread in the fabric, the woven or knitted material, or the leather, whatever it's used, it is a persistent defiling mold. The article is unclean. He must burn the fabric, the woven or knitted material of wool or linen, or any leather article that has been spoiled. Because the defiling mold is persistent, the article must be burned. But if when the priest examines it, the mold has not spread in the fabric, the woven or knitted material or the leather article, he shall order that the spoiled article be washed. Then he is to isolate it for another seven days. After the article has been washed, the priest is to examine it again. And if the mold has not changed its appearance, even though it is not spread, it is unclean. Burn it. No matter which side of the fabric has been spoiled, if when the priest examines it, the mold has faded after the article has been washed, he is to tear the spoiled part out of the fabric, the leather or the woven or knitted material. But if it appears in the fabric, in the woven or knitted material, or in the leather article, it is a spreading mold. Whatever has the mold must be burned. Any fabric, woven or knitted material, or any leather article that has been washed and is rid of the mold must be washed again then it will be clean. These are the regulations concerning defiling molds in woolen or linen clothing, woven or knitted material, or any leather article for pronouncing them clean or unclean. All right. We're going to cover just, I'm my attention is focused on the first half where we're talking about the defining skin disease. Uh, term leprosy is used in other translations. Uh, leprosy covered really a wide variety of skin diseases. The If I were to summarize basically what that first portion of this chapter is talking about is if you are diagnosed to have leprosy, you are considered unclean and you had to live outside of the camp, outside of the city once they had cities. Uh, and you were outside of God's family. You couldn't have contact with anybody without making them unclean. So you would have to stand outside and you would have to tell the whole you'd have to show the whole world that you're unclean by yelling, unclean, unclean, if anybody got near you. So the focus of leprosy put them outside the camp of God's people. Now, if I back up, take a 10,000 foot view. And, re and again, we realize that everything that happens around the tabernacle and these sacrifices and all these things, they're, they're shadows of a bigger truth. And this leprosy is a shadow of a bigger truth. Now, I'm going to set that aside, and I'm going to give you my basic... Uh, this is so basic. And I hope my pastor friends don't chastise me too hard for this. But... I'm going to give you my basic theology of sin 
And then we're gonna come back to leprosy and I'm gonna show you how it all connects. All right, I have a picture here and I'm doing this for those who are following the voice podcast. On the left is a circle with the term sin nature in it. Then around the circle are different things that talk about sin nature. First of all, sin is the quality of any human action that causes it to fail to glorify the Lord fully. In other words, the quality of human nature that keeps us from glorifying God. Remember, when I speak of sin, I'm talking about sin nature, not the sinful things we do as a result of that sin nature. The sin nature is the impetus. The sin nature is the energy that gives birth to sin. In fact, the sin nature gives birth to acts of sin. That's one of the things I wrote here. Acts of sin proceed from the sin nature. Another way of saying the same thing. Acts of sin reflect the sin nature. Acts of sin are proof that the sin nature exists. Now, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's who we are. It's our nature. Paul presents that all over Romans. There's none to do with good. No, not one. There's nobody that seeks after God. We all like sheep have gone astray. Um, all these statements. Man's nature is to be at enmity with God. And this sin nature is what's responsible for putting us outside the camp of God's people and outside the ability to fellowship with God's family. Just like the leper is put outside the community because of his leprosy, our sin nature keeps us outside the family of God. Now, there is a uh, gentleman by the name of Edersheim, and he wrote a book called Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. And I got a couple quotes from his book concerning leprosy. Whatever remedies, medical, magical, or sympathetic, rabbinic writings may indicate for various kinds of diseases, leprosy is not included in the catalog. There was no prayer. There was no medical protocol. There were no remedies, no incantations designed to deliver someone from leprosy. It was absent. If you got leprosy, according to the rabbinic theology of the day and what, and what had developed since Moses' time to the time of Jesus, stated that leprosy was a tool in the hands of God to, to punish you or to deal with sin in your life. If you got leprosy, you had sinned and God was dealing with it. Therefore, no prayer, medical protocol, medicine, anything was prescribed for it because these they said we would not interfere with the work that God is doing in your life. I know it sounds perverted. It sounds perverse, doesn't it? You're ill, but God's dealing with you and we're not gonna help you get better because that's gonna be up to God. But that's what they said about leprosy. God dealt you leprosy, so therefore only God can take leprosy away. This is the work of God in your life dealing with sin in your life. Oh. And you can imagine their consternation when Jesus took this theology of theirs and threw it back in their face when he healed a leper. 
because according to their thinking, God deals leprosy and only God can heal leprosy. So when Jesus healed a leper, he is in effect telling them who he was. Tell us who you are, they said plainly. He said, I've told you plainly and still you won't listen. By that time he'd raised Lazarus from the dead, blind were seeing, lame were walking, and lepers were healed. All of these, the messianic calling card, they knew exactly who he was or who he was claiming to be by virtue of what he did. He healed leprosy. Now, we can go further, Edersheim says, and say that not only did rabbinism never suggest the cure for a leper, but that his treatment of those sufferers presents the most marked contrast to that of the Savior. They shoved them outside the community of God's family. Jesus made it possible for them to come back in and be part of God's family again. Now, isn't that a picture of man's condition? Leprosy put you outside the family of God. And only when leprosy was dealt with could you come back. Now, go back up here. If you, if you look at leprosy as just a, a, a type or a picture of sin that separates us from God and his family, here's the verse. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. If you take this disease, this word disease, and replace it with the word sin, listen to this. As long as they have sin, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. As long as they have this sin nature, they remain unclean. As long as Paige has this sin nature, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp, the family of God, fellowship with God. Who will save me from this body of death? That's Paul's cry. And what was his answer? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our God has made a way to deal with our sin nature. He has made it so that we can once again come into fellowship with God's family. He is our only hope. In rabbinic theology, there was no cure for leprosy except God. And that's a perfect picture of how of man's condition. Sin nature cannot be dealt with apart from God. There's nothing we can do. There's no medicine. There's no prayer. There's no uh, incantation. There's nothing that anybody can do except for God. And God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish from this leprosy of the soul, but will have everlasting life. Do you see the correlation? Do you see the application? We are hopeless apart from God. The leper is hopeless apart from God's healing touch because man could do nothing for him. We are hopeless in our sin and apart, away from, separated from the family of God. And were it not for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, that would be our eternal condition. So you have an option as long as you're breathing. 
Do you want to come inside the camp? Do you want to come inside the fellowship to fellowship with other believers? Become part of God's family? There's only one hope for you, and that's in Christ. <sighs> Once again, God dealt me up a pretty heavy dose of spiritual truth in, in Leviticus 13. I hope you have a wonderful, fabulous day. That's why I'm going to leave it hanging. Uh, perhaps I'll come back and visit this again, but mm, I do like what God's word shows me. Have a great day. Here's my coffee on page, and I, dear people, am out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye.